good afternoon. Welcome to the live episode of my Save Bad show. And it gives me the greatest of honors to welcome the Super Bowl 42 champion, which is a game that should live in infamy for obvious reasons forever. But even more importantly, New York Giants Ring of Honor holder and a good friend and a good man, Mr. Amani Tuma. So welcome, Amani. It's great to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. I would have dressed up, but um, I, I thought it was just like a... No, you're fine. You're fine. You're doing, you're doing great. This is my cheat sheet, by the way. I'm not checking the latest MLB scores. So if you bear with me, that's what I'll be using throughout the podcast. There will be an opportunity to ask Amani questions at the end of it. So, but let's get going. Let's start by talking about our beloved state of New Jersey. You were, of course, born in California, mm -hmm. and you played your college football at... Michigan, and we will of course come on to talk about that as well. But of course, these days, if you pardon yet another pun, you are New Jersey Patriot, as in Patriot with a small B, not a capital B, <laughs> of course. So, what actually made you stay in the state where you played your pro football? Well, I um, I wanted to get into sports media after I got done, and there's really no better place to be in sports media than in New York City. There's just so many different. Um, you know, you got all the major networks out here and there's just a lot of opportunities to do stuff. And I think by being out here at that time, I was able to do experience a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, pe people in the industry. And it was just, it's just a great place to be and the energy out here. I love it. I mean, I'm from Berkeley, California. The energy is just a little different, a little slower, <laughs> a little easier, but uh, I just love the fact that people out here are so driven and there's always a lot of energy around. And um, that really is what kept me around, the energy of New York City. So you love the energy, the passion and pace. We've got the New Jersey contingent down here, represented by a few people, but in particular our friend, BP Free, who's shown us a lot of passion earlier. So in a similar vein, actually, because not everybody in this country is necessarily a big fan, of course, outside of the gambling industry of the state of New Jersey. They would even call New Jersey the drive-through state, shame on them. I will not name the name of the legislator who went as far as calling it the garbage state, not the garden state. So what message would you send to those people who are clearly in the wrong? There is a lot to Jersey that people don't know. There is a lot of very beautiful places, especially you go inland or you go down to the shore. There's a lot of nice places out there that I just don't think people, I think once you come into Newark and you see the industrial areas, maybe you might, they might you know, skew your impressions of New Jersey, but if you, if you go and see how nice it is and how, you know, they got very, the mountains up in Mountain Creek, you got, you know, great places to go skiing, you got great places to go to the beach, you can go uh, mountain biking, there's great cycling, there's a lot of stuff to do, a lot of outdoorsy stuff that people just don't associate with Jersey that, you know, you probably should get, and plus it's closer to New York City, so all that together, it's a win for me. So clearly, if Governor Murphy is looking for ambassador for his state, <laughs> which is just like in your case, not his home state originally, yeah. you should be his first choice. Let's move on to talk about your college career and Michigan. Just let me kick it off by a few numbers here. They are seriously impressive. Because while at Michigan, you had, and feel free to correct the numbers. I got that from Wikipedia. <laughs> 124 receptions for 2,100 and 44 yards and 12 receiving touchdowns. You also returned 46 punts 
for two touchdowns and 14 kickoff returns. As I've said, a truly stellar career. So what was it like when you were at Michigan being, if not the, then at the very least one of the stars at the campus? Yeah. How did you feel about that? I felt great. I mean, I loved Michigan. I liked the school more than I liked the football program. I just liked the fact that there was just so many free thinkers there and the school was really challenging in terms of the academics. It was a, gr it was a great place to be, but in terms of like the partying and having fun, it wasn't that place for that. I, it was a very academic school. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a great place for it to be at that time. I, I just don't understand how people who go to these schools, these party schools, how they get their football done, how do they get their schoolwork done, how do they focus in on stuff because there's so much to do. There was nothing to do. I remember during finals, you wanted to try and go and do something. Everybody was in the library, so you just had to, okay, I'll study, you know. So that's what I remember about college. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, you picked your favorite book then? Okay, I shall digress. <laughs> so in terms of pressure, because you started talking about it, it wasn't a party school, so yeah. what was the level of pressure on you both in well, human and education terms. I need to get my studies done, but I also need to focus on my football. Yeah, it was pretty easy, I thought, because there was two things I had to focus on. It was, you know, I had to focus on my school, and then I had to focus on, you know, getting into the NFL, living out a dream. And, you know, they did a great job of helping me do that. And so, I mean, I look back at that situation. It was good. It was hard. I mean, we didn't have the 20-hour uh, the work weeks or whatever they have now. We had two a days and we had, the, you know, it was it was a tough school and it was a tough program. And that's why one of the monikers when you walk in is those who stay will be champions. And, you know, it sounds good. But if you really think about what it says, it's like, we're not going to treat you very well. But if you stay, you'll win a championship because <laughs> this is a hard place to be. And it was great. I mean, now I understand. I learned learned a lot about bureaucracy, dealing with the schools, you know, the, the different um you know, doing different things. You had to talk to the teachers to try and make sure that you had an opportunity to, to, to participate in all the athletic ability, athletic venues because sometimes the classes were in different times and I had to, you know, doing all the work to try and um, keep myself eligible, keep myself, you know, in a good frame of mind in, in, for both the football team and in academically, it was, it was, it was challenging. And in terms of challenges, of course, what came next was the draft. Yeah. We just had draft of read at the NFL, but mm -hmm. we're all fans, I suspect, in the room. So these days, all you tend to see on TV are those guys who already know that they will get picked. Yeah. Round one, round two, they turn up with all due respect to them, big units with these massive golden chains around their necks. Yeah. They might have had their media training. Yeah, definitely media training behind their belt yeah what was it like back then when you were going through it how did you feel about it and has it evolved since did you, it's wear, definitely did you wear a massive golden chain around your neck no i didn't <laughs> have the big gold chain but um i had a, a a party at my house i had a the barbecue and then i found out i got drafted by the new york giants i was actually supposed to go a little bit higher i was going to go late first round i ended up going early second round which wasn't uh too bad but the fact that I went to New York, that was one of the things that really perked me up because to be 21 in New York City with a little bit of change in your pocket and the opportunity and the free time that, you know, I mean, I wasn't really playing, so I just was kind of running around the city having fun, experiencing the city in a, in a great way. It was one of the best 
I don't know any place that I would have rather been um, at that period of time uh, just being around New York City. And it was a lot different than it was now. I remember it was it was a lot more, um, you know, there was more, it was more New York. Um, like there wasn't Disneyland in, in uh, Disney wasn't on Times Square, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly worked out for the Giants, because if I may stick to the numbers theme, you hold the New York Giants Club records with 9,497 receiving yards, 668 receptions, and 54 receiving touchdowns, which, ladies and gentlemen, I, I believe deserves another applause, because here's the man, <laughs> the ultimate giant. So you joined the organization in 96. Mm -hmm. What was that like back then, and how has it changed since? Because you're still around the Giants, because we talk about that all the time. Yeah, no, it was it was completely different. The Giants, were, it, the organization wasn't as, uh, they weren't as focused as they are now. I mean, I remember we had our coach, Dan Reeves. He had his players, and then we had George Young, who had his players, and the locker room was split right down the middle, and it was just a very strange environment because the bottom line wasn't, to be the best football team. The bottom line was just to stay on the team and to see how much, you know, how, how much fun you can have in the, in the city. And it was just a very, I don't want to say, it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a very conducive place for winning. And now, fast forward, they hired Jim Fossil, then they hired um, uh, Tom Coughlin, and it really changed the organization around in terms of what professionalism it is it is now. And plus, you know, they've had a couple coaches in between there, but I think Brian Dable is doing a great job. So I think the organization is in a much better place than when I first got there. I remember when I first got there, we'd go to a club and we had these little NFL players cards and we'd show them the players cards and they would like, what team is this? And I was like, I'm on the Giants. They're like, the Giants? Man, go to the back of the line. This is <laughs> you guys are pretty bad. So then come full circle after we won the Super Bowl in 2007 when we beat the Patriots. Did you? Badly. Yeah, we beat them badly. Like three pines. It hey, a win is a win. But anyway, so we beat the Patriots. So then we go into Nobu and me, Eli, uh, and um, Sean O'Hara and Dave Deal, we walk in. And the whole restaurant stands up and gives us a standing ovation. I was like, guys, we made it. <laughs> they respect the Giants here in New York. It was great. The, the Giants have definitely arrived. By the way, that sounds like what you've just said about the Giants back then, like the modern-day Rangers, the hockey players. You know, they, they come to the city to have a lot of fun, and yeah. that's why they haven't won anything since <laughs> 94. What's your hockey team? The Bruins, come uh -oh. on. Oh, <laughs> you could really? Guessed, you could have guessed that, but I'm, I'm still grieving. Anybody on the current Giants roster, you can foresee beating your records anytime soon? Well, they got this new guy, Jalen Hyatt, and he was from Tennessee, third-round pick this year. I thought he should have been a first-rounder. Dominant player in college, ridiculous speed. I think he has an opportunity to do it. I think he's... He... he has that it factor. I, I'm really interested to see how well he does. Of course, you can't really translate over how somebody does in college and translate directly to the pros, but 
I just feel so like I, when you watch certain when I watch certain players, I'm like, yeah, that guy. I just there's something about it. I don't know if I can even articulate it, but there's certain guys that I really like. I really like Justin Jefferson. I really liked um, um, the guy who's in um, who's in uh, Cincinnati right now. Chase, Jamar Chase, yeah, those guys. Because they're like there's certain like the way they run routes and how they they understand how to set defenders up. I think I think Jalen Jalen Hyatt has the same type of uh, ability uh, in him. And as always, I should shall wish the Giants the best of luck. Absolutely. We might but play let, you guys let, this year. Let, we do play the Patriots. Yeah, I know. And we um, I'm like I'm still on the team. We'll get routed. <laughs> Let's talk about responsible gambling because yes. ultimately that's what this event is all about. Two personal stories. I've told the first one before because we're of course honored to have you on the Entain Foundation. Mm -hmm. US and in all honesty when Mr. Pasquale arranged for the two of us to meet for the first time I had all those chitters because Aman is a true superstar <laughs> and also I happened to be rooting for the wrong team so yeah. I decided to spill the beans right away look yeah. I like you hopefully you like me but for sake of total transparency I'm a Patriots fan and Amani turns to me and goes I love the Patriots because had it not been for the Patriots, I wouldn't have had my Super Bowl ring. <laughs> so yeah, that... There's a Cowboys fan in here, too. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Cowboys. Thank you, Cowboys. You know how to play, not necessarily <laughs> how to win, yeah, sadly. Yeah. But then back, back in your day, when you were with the Giants, mm -hmm. you know, what was it like? Were you exposed to any pressure from the bookies to do anything untoward? Or there was nothing like that because you guys were being protected or just even blissfully with all due respect ignorant of what may be happening on the streets we were definitely ignorant of what's happening on the streets people still try to understand explain to me the lines and i'm like i don't know plus minus it makes my head hurt sharp betting i i don't get it but uh you know handicapping all it just it's just it does it's very hard for me to understand because being on the inside and going through game plan meetings and seeing how you know plans change in a minute and how um, random it is if like you're going to have a good game or if somebody else is going to have a good game depending on how the defense play. It, there's just so many variables that I just don't understand how people can bet on sports um, successfully and people do it. And I understand. I don't understand how the lines are always so close. It just uh, it blows my mind. But uh, there wasn't really that much. Um, uh, gambling per se, but it was like when I was started, my end of my career is when fantasy football started becoming big. And that was when, um, you know, people come up to me and I remember I was struggling one year. They're like, why didn't you score a touchdown? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's my life. You know, <laughs> it was one of these things, but yeah, it was, it was, that was, that would probably be the extent of it. Um, uh, I, I just worry about, you know, the lessons that were learned in Europe in terms of how they rolled out gambling and how we can learn from them instead of running into the same mistakes that they ran into and not regulating it right, not um, um, you know having the safety nets and, and making sure that it is, like I heard before, somebody was talking about how they wanna make it a, uh, a real business so that it's a sustained and you can't have you know, problem gambling uh, to have a sustained business because you know your, your customers ultimately need to be to be protected and feel that they're you know um you know feel that they are, are there's something there's a safety net for them if things were to go wrong so that's one of the things that i really uh 
that Martin and I both agree upon, and that's why I'm here pretty much. And I'm sure with the likes of you on board, and thank you for that again, we will definitely get there. Actually, at that very first meeting, you made another point going back to your college days, which was, well, when I joined the Michigan football program, yeah. the first thing we were through the, to through the door and the first thing we were told was, well, batting's a big no-no. Yeah. Which okay. is fair enough. So do you think these days, with sports betting regulated, but also with the likes of the nil deals that a lot of college athletes, the top athletes, have mm. entered into. Is that pressure even higher? Uh, I think the pressure is higher because I think there's a line that's blurred. Like, because when we got to, when I got to Michigan, it was like no gambling, no nothing, don't get associated with any gamblers. And there was never any, and so it was looked upon as something that was illegal and it was, you know, it was bad, whatever. But now, it's not that way, you know, and then you see people kind of, um, because business is, is now becoming more uh, mainstream, it's becoming acceptable in society, people are doing it, and, you know, I think there's, you know, some players, you know, get caught up in these, these types of situations, trying to bet on parlays, not understanding that, you know, even the, the you know, Calvin Ridley is a guy who's just being reinstated, uh, who got who had a parlay that had his own team on it. He got suspended for a year. And I think there was a couple other players recently that got suspended. And uh, I think because the lines are blurred, there needs to be more education to the players on what uh, what's acceptable and and kind of let the let there be some real guardrails to the players to make sure that they understand. And that's why, you know, I wanted to, you know, partner with Etain and trying to go to different colleges and make sure that there is a – their education, get them – let these players know uh, what's okay, what's not okay, because there's a lot of uh, gray area now that could make it harder for players because back in my day it was, you know, it was bad. Now it's kind of like, eh, is it bad? <laughs> so I, I feel like uh, education is a real big part that needs to happen with all the athletes and, and with the consumers as well. That's a perfect segue into the next question because you've already alluded to the most recent suspensions. I suppose mm. we cannot not talk about that. And you've made the point mm. that it comes down to education, but perhaps to pick up on another theme that uh, you've raised. And those are the hate-filled hate -filled tweets that some players mm -hmm. receive. Like yeah. one of the most recent examples in the league last year, you know, tactical play. Got a go you got a touchdown scoring opportunity, but at the same time, you're running down the clock. So, of course, you may find yourself sliding down two yards away oh, from yeah. the end zone. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, all these fantasy sports players and even real money gambling players, they're going nuts because why didn't he score? Because <laughs> I had over under at this yeah. or he hasn't scored in the game just yeah. yet. So, what yeah. is he doing? So, yeah. do you think that... This is at the back of players' minds, or you're just on the field, you're in your zone, and you don't even think about it, you're just doing, trying to do the best for your team. Or in other words, yeah. do these hate-filled tweets influence players' behavior, or do they have thick enough skin to ignore them? Oh, I, I, see, I'm not of the generation where I need to follow Twitter, I need to be on Instagram. I, need, like, I can very easily just turn it off and not, not even blink an eye. But I think a lot of these guys now grew up with it. So it's a different kind of medium for them. It's something that they look to to kind of socialize on. And I think it's, it's much more, um, I think they take it much more seriously than, they, than 
than than I would, or than players my uh, era did. Because uh, if you didn't like the newspaper reporter who was writing bad stories about him, you just didn't pick up the paper that day. You know, you just waited for the next day. Or if you, um, th there was no access to, like, like nobody could give me their opinion that I didn't want anyway. Now it's like you put yourself out there. Now there's all these people that can interact with you where, you know, I, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. It just kind of is what it is. And um, I, I don't think they think about it one second because at the end of the day, most of these guys in the NFL, in any, in any professional league, what they want to be doing is playing. And if you get caught up in gambling or if you get caught up in any type of thing like that, I mean, just like you were talking about earlier, the first thing that they said to me when I was at Michigan, we walked in the meeting and it was the first time all the scholarship athletes were talking to the coach and the coach brings up Arch Leister. And he was like, he was a great quarterback. He got caught up in gambling and never made the NFL. If you, there's a lot of things you can get away with. You can't get away with, you know, being involved with gambling if you ever want to play because, you know, it's just, it, it, that's, that's the red, that's the third rail. And so we were so afraid so afraid of anything that had to do with any uh any type of gambling so um that, that's how we took it this is a totally different era i respect that it. it's a lot harder for them but we're gonna see let's bring it home by talking about your post career life if i may put it that way mm. starting with your charity work so mm. since you hung up your cleats so to speak you've been involved in numerous charities and lent your name to a long list of projects and thanks again <laughs> for serving on the board of the entain foundation us so what what was the motivation behind it do you find it gratifying but could it also be frustrating every now and then uh, I find yeah, I find it both. That's a great way to put it because I think it's gratifying because I feel like I'm on the side of trying to help athletes uh, maneuver. It's a very short period of time, and a mistake that you make as an athlete could totally derail your entire uh, the perception because a lot of these guys now are brands and they use that brand to make money, uh, you know, while they're playing and after. And if you are to mess up that brand, you could hurt future earnings. So. I feel like the education piece with Etain is why I really wanted to get a part, be a part of it, and try to help these people, these players, you know, deal with the deal with, um, you know, the stresses of of being a professional athlete and stresses and understanding the situation that they're in in a big, you know, in a, you know, in a, in a wide range, so that they could understand that. Uh, those little the decisions that they make could be could could not uh, that they think are innocent could could cost them a lot throughout their entire life. They also happen to be a rising star in TV punditry. So you talk about sports <laughs> TV. Actually, it. when me and the family moved here, owing to the pandemic, we couldn't really get together. Mm -hmm. But I did happen to have seen you on the MSG TV commenting okay. on the chance. <laughs> I had Samani. I need yeah. to go and and catch up with him. And these days, amongst other shows, you're starring on Bonjour Sports Talk. By the way, still waiting for my invitation to <laughs> the show, if you, if you don't oh, mind. yeah, but I gotta get you on, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. On a, on a very serious note, what, what, what was that particular transition like, you know, on field to off field, but talking about what's been happening yeah. on the field of well, glory? Well, what I learned is that people really don't care about um, the on the field X's and O's as much. You got to put it into like a something that's more entertaining. Because I remember sitting in meetings and they were just boring. Like, 
if this guy does that, you do. And it's just the X's and O's of sports is not what people want. They want the drama. They want the, they want the uh, how you can relate to everybody else because sports is just like everything else. It's a people business, and um, you know the personalities is what really sells sports. So learning that, and then I was really strange like how much people actually know about what's going on in the locker rooms. Because I always thought it was like a private thing, but then I got in the sports media and they're like, oh, yeah, we knew all about that. I was like, really? And uh, there's so much interest in sports and there's so many personalities, great personalities, that uh, there's so much to talk about. It's, it's, it's great. You love to see yeah, the, the story of the, the guy that comes up from nothing and, or the, the story of the guy that uh, you know, really figures out, hits his stride. And that's what Bonjour Sports is really about. It's about the positive side of sports. We're not going to get on there and... It's on Prime TV, um, and it's, it's streaming. And so you're going to have to – so it, it, the whole sport thing is about celebration of sports instead of the, you know, the back and forth, the debate show stuff. It's not like that at all. It's a very positive, uplifting fan experience that they can really get behind. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of those shows where you watch and it's not – we're not going to talk about how bad somebody is. We're not going to talk about how somebody shouldn't be in the league. We try to, you know, look at the brighter side of sports. I was going to say, unlike on the likes of ESPN, you actually don't yell at one no, another. No, we're not yelling. <laughs> for the best. Yeah, yeah. People may have strong opinions, but there are other ways of delivering them. And actually, what we talked about the other day is that all sorts of sports come up on yeah. that show, including the likes of cricket. If there's still any Brits in the audience, I'm sure. Yeah, cricket. Mr. Buck, yeah, he can give us a class, master class on cricket. Overson. Not just lived experience, but... Also cycling. You're a cyclist yourself. You really cycling. got into your cycling. So I'd be remiss in my duties if, for the benefit of the audience, I didn't ask you about a few sports predictions. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we may want to start with Tour de France. I okay. appreciate that Tade is injured, but he might be back on time. So do you think it will be Tade or Jonas Vingegaard will defend his title? Well, my wife is Danish, so I got to go with Jonas. <laughs> you know, Jonas Vingegaard. It's funny because last year when it was in Denmark, for the first three uh, stages, I was more excited seeing how much Denmark really, they really embraced the tour the first three days. And when Giannis started winning, I was going crazy. And she was just like, hmm, I don't really like sports. And I'm like, but he's from Denmark. How could you not? And it was, it was great. And to see Giannis, like when they did the announcements before the tour started and when all of Tivoli, which is like the Disney version. It's like Disneyland for um, cycling. Be Disney. careful. We got Danes in the audience as well. Tivoli, it's, like, it's like Disneyland. It's like a version of Disney-ish. I know. I, it's older than Disneyland. Put it that way, right? It's the, one of the oldest amusement parks in the world, right? It's in the middle of, it's in the middle of uh, Copenhagen. And that's where they had the call-outs, where they bring out all the, the riders. They come up and they say hi to the crowd. So anyway, Jonas comes up, make a long story short. He comes up and the whole crowd just starts chanting his name. Venga, go. And the guy starts crying. <laughs> he starts crying. Because these cyclists are guys, they're, they're on the road by themselves for hours and hours. And they get very little recognition. And he goes back home the first time it's been in Denmark, and they start cheering his name. The guy starts crying. I was like, he's going to win. <laughs> and and it, was, uh, it was great to watch that whole tour and to watch the teamwork of um, uh, uh, the teamwork that, that, that his team had, uh, the Lotto Jumbo team had. It was, it was great. 
and you were proven right, of course, at the end of this year's show, we'll be chanting our favorite dance name, Dane's name. Say Mark, say Mark. But let's, <laughs> let's park that. We can do it after the awards ceremony. I will not ask you, and that's the final question, before I finally give the audience an opportunity to ask a few questions, if they have any. I will not ask you about the Giants, because from my Patriots perspective, <laughs> I get upset, I wouldn't like the answer. But with the NHL and yes. the NBA, yeah. I'm upset about the Bruins as well. But let's ask the question. We have a lot of teams in, the, in Boston that win a lot of regular season games, and then... Yeah, then fell flat on and their face. It. But with the, with the NHL and NBA playoffs <laughs> yeah. raging on, who do you think will be the champions in each league? You know what's funny? I'm, I grew up a Golden State Warriors fan uh, my whole life. My dad had season tickets, but the Lakers, you got to understand, the teams that have get pushed throughout the entire season, this team started 2-10, and 10, uh, and now they somehow miraculously made the playoffs. And they're it's three. They're up three to one on the Golden State Warriors, the the, the reigning champs. The being able to overcome things throughout the whole season, they totally revamped their team midway through during the trade the trade deadline. It, I, I just understand that teams that are stressed, teams that are always under pressure, are the teams that are winning. Just like uh, the Florida Panthers are another team that have you know barely made the playoffs but they were the president's trophy winners the year before and now they're just kind of like on this role where they're a team that's been stressed and and and, and live in this uncomfortable zone and they've just i mean they they beat your own i know this is some kind of vengeance trail i'm getting more and more upset anyway ladies and gentlemen would you happen to have any questions for amani before we Wrap it up. That's a, oh, Jessica never lets me down. Thank I, you. I'm so greedy with the mic at these. I feel bad. But you mentioned that you didn't know what it would be like to go to a party school. Uh, now, much different from when you were in the league, Vegas has become so central to the NFL. They've had the draft there. They're going to have the Super Bowl there. I'm just curious your thoughts of if you were a player – that's, you know, having events in Vegas, what would you want the league to kind of tell you and, and caution you about? Meaning about the gambling? Or just like, you know, you're going to Vegas. Here's what you should know as a player in the NFL. Like, don't do this. Do do this. This is okay. Yeah, no, like, I, when you go to Vegas, like, you're not going to, like, when we travel, we travel so for a Sunday game, right? We'll travel Saturday morning. So we'll get there Sunday at, like, Mid midday, right? So Sunday, I mean, sorry, Saturday at like three o'clock, four o'clock. Then we have a meeting at 7.30. So you have like two hours to do stuff, three hours to do stuff. So I don't, I don't really think it's going to be an issue. Most teams have curfew, so you got to be in your hotel room. And if you go out a cur after, at, if you leave curfew, yeah, that, that's an issue. I, I don't know. I've never done that. So... <laughs> I've heard people have done it, but I've never done that. I valued the, I didn't want to give away any of the money that I was earning because um, it's a big fine when you do that. I, I just don't think, I don't think it'd be a hard place to play, Vegas. I, I don't think it'd be hard at all. I mean, the only thing I'd worry about would be the heat and the, and the altitude. That's about it. Yeah, the Vegas heat. Would we have any more questions? Thank you. I'm curious, uh, you mentioned 
your earlier um, kind of the exposure to gambling uh, when you were in college and were warned against doing that, you've kind of seen the evolution of sports betting into the online realm. And I'm interested to know if, in your observations, um, how online betting has impacted player motivation um, with respect to brand, as you mentioned, um, and the potential for revenue generating. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, what are your observations of what the spectator experience has been? How do people view and enjoy and engage sports now perhaps differently than um, when you first came into the sports realm? Well, I think fantasy, fantasy sports have done a great job for the NFL. Like, and for the NFL to get on board and, and embrace fantasy, I think opened the door for, for, for sports betting. But I think fantasy did a great job because now every game is important, every play is important. Um, and I think the fan experience, I think it's much better because now if you want to put a wager, you can do it in-game gambling. You can do it, I'm, I'm like, can you do it during the game, right? Yes, you can. Yeah, so, I mean, just to make the game, you know, you, so I think you'd be, it, it gets people another avenue to enjoy the sports. Now, is there a, a caution, is there, could it go the wrong way? It could, but I feel like that's why you need to have guardrails for the, for, Problem gamblers, you know, guardrails for everybody to make sure that you want to be. I, I, I always want sports to be better than it was before. I want to leave it better than I than I than it was when I got there. And when you look at how much sports has improved in terms of the TV coverage, in terms of the interest, and in, in terms of everything, like, it's just a totally different. Um, at least the NFL is a totally different entity than when I first got in the league, and it's great. But with, this, with the growth, with the success, there has to be some sort of, um, you got, there's got to be caution. You know, we've got to learn from a lot of stuff that happened in La Liga in, in Europe to make sure that none, none of the scandals that happened out there happened uh, here in the U.S. Mm -hmm.